<laughs> We're just going to jump right in. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly. We're in this prayer that Jesus has taught his disciples and is teaching us to pray. And uh, so we're on uh, seven. Seven simple words today. Give us this day our daily bread. And um, when you read this, most people take this as God supply my need every day. Um, but in the context of the prayer, and in the context of what Jesus is teaching, this isn't about physical bread. It's about spiritual bread. And so when you look at it that way, if, if it was only about physical bread, if, then, then why would Jesus talk about fasting? Why would he say when you fast? Why would, would that mean that we just eliminate this part of the prayer when we're fasting? Because we don't need daily bread for that day because um, we're not partaking of food. And so to me, there's three questions that come up when you say this little phrase. Number one, uh, what is this bread that Jesus wants us to ask for? Because remember, this is Jesus telling us. Number two, if it's so important, then why do we have to beg for it instead of going out and earning it ourselves or somehow acquiring it ourselves? And number three, um, how come the bread apparently only comes daily and only comes once a day? So is that what Jesus really means when he says that? Or is there more? Is there, is there greater understanding in it? So what is this bread? And, and like I just said, it's, it's more than a mixture of flour and yeast and salt and water. Um, you know, it's, it's correct for us to ask for daily provision. It's correct for us to ask God to meet our needs every day. In fact, Paul tells us, um, you know, it's interesting. People quote this verse says, "My God shall supply all my people say needs." Actually, the the verse doesn't say that. It says, "My God shall supply all my need, according to His glory in Christ Jesus." And so, God does promise to take care of our physical, emotional, and spiritual need. And so, when Jesus is talking about this, this is a spiritual prayer. This this is not a physical prayer. You know, Jesus said in Luke four four when when he's come out of the wilderness after 40 days of not eating. And so he says, if you're God, he's hungry. And so he says, if you're God, why don't you speak to these stones and tell them to become bread? And Jesus' response is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God or every word of God. So he was referring to spiritual sustenance and not physical. Jesus is saying bread is not our own, physical bread is not our only, nor our primary need. It is spiritual bread that is our primary need for us as followers of Jesus to sustain our lives and to walk with him. So, and Jesus uses, teaches many times using the example of bread, but whenever he talks about bread, Jesus is always talking about spiritual bread. And he's not talking about physical bread. We don't have any time when Jesus teaches when he's talking about bread that he's talking physically about a loaf, that he's telling us something about it. 
Um, you know, in John 6, 63, just, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So it's the words of God, the Word of God, that actually lifts up and nourishes um, our, our every dimension of our physical life into king, to a kingdom thought pattern. And that's the whole premise of this prayer. Jesus wants us to pray kingdom-minded. He doesn't want us to pray again. I have found in my experience that most people, I had a great discussion this week with a young man who's, who's at, a, uh, at a crossroad of his spiritual journey, not in whether or not um, he should follow Jesus, but um, he has an opportunity to, to, to go on full-time staff at a church, to, to everything he's ever longed for is going to happen, and all of a sudden he's not sure he wants to be at that church. And so the question is, how, how, do you, how do you pray through that? Do you pray, um, God, yes, I want to be on staff, but I don't want to be on staff here, so take me someplace else? Or do we pray, God, my heart is to serve you full time. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And we had a great conversation on how your position on, at staff on this church may have nothing to do with you. It may have everything to do with the pastor you're coming alongside. Maybe there's things he has to learn he can only learn for you. Maybe there's somebody in the congregation. So we can never look at it at face value. And so when Jesus is telling us to pray our daily bread, he's telling us to elevate our thinking into kingdom principles, into kingdom reality every day. God walks with us and provides a spiritual resource every day. Not just physical, but spiritual resource. And, and, and if you stop and you would meditate and ponder that for a moment, it, it is a rare conversation that people have with a God, eat, not they God, not with God, each day to ask for God to give them spiritual bread to sustain them as they walk in their life because it is having our spiritual man, our spiritual being fully fed, fully nourished, fully available to walk in full strength. If you've ever fasted for any length of time, um, you know, there are certain things that change in your body. Your strength changes a little bit. You know, when I, I've done a 40-day water fast a couple of times, and, and I've always started saying, okay, I'm still going to go to the gym every day. I'm still going to keep the same routine. You know, I'm just going to push through. And I just tell you, you just get too tired. You just, you don't have the strength. Well, if, if that's what happens to our body physically, then what happens to our spirit if we don't nourish it every day in, in asking God to give us a daily bread, a daily supply of spiritual life, of spiritual health to enable us to walk through the day? And Jesus isn't telling us that we're supposed to, break, to, to beg for bread to, that to, to avoid physical starvation. It's been proven that there is enough food in the world to feed every person. The problem is too many people throw food away and too many people hoard for themselves. And, and it does come down to um, a, a, a form, not complete, but a form of socialism to where everybody is taken care of by the supply of bread. And the problem is we live in a culture now to where we, we don't uh, eat to live, we live to eat. 
Um, you know, I always go back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And what if I had to eat the same thing every day for 40 years? Would I be complaining and asking for meat? And so the same is true in our spiritual life. God wants to sustain us and provide for us every day. But he says that we're supposed to ask him to give it to us each day. <clears throat> Again, throughout Scripture, the presence of God is identified as bread, giving life to the soul. Listen to what Jesus says again in John chapter 6. First of all, he says he's going to take care of all of our needs. Uh, Jesus says, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if Jesus, when he says, pray, give us this day your daily bread, was, was saying, you know, God, what am I going to eat today? What am I going to drink today? What am I going to wear today? Jesus makes it very clear here that that's not to be a worry for us. That's not to be something we're concerned about, that God sees that as his responsibility in walking with his children. He says God knows about all that, and he goes on to say, look at how the lilies of the field are clothed. Look at how, you know, the, the birds, they don't sow, but they, but they reap. God takes care of them. So the premise here, he goes on in the same chapter in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus identifies himself as a bread that comes down out of heaven and is a bread that feeds our spirit, our soul, and that gives us eternal life. In fact, Jesus says this in John 6, when, when we come to the, the Last Supper, when he's sitting down with his disciples, when he takes and he breaks the bread and he says, this bread is my body, he's reaffirming what he's already said. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And so to give us our day, this day our daily bread, we're asking God to enter into our very being each day, to enter into our circumstances, to enter into our life, to our events, to everything we encounter, and to give us a spirit of peace and power um, so that we live a life worth living. Or more importantly, that we live a faith worth dying for. It's, it's so much more to live a life worth living, to live a life, to live a faith worth dying for. And so, if this bread is so important, if this spiritual bread, if this, if this which is so necessary for us to live and walk in what God has taught us to, then why do we have to ask for it every day? Why isn't it just there? Why don't, why don't we just get up and do something to earn it and not ask about it? And so this intercession begins with the word give. Jesus says give. Jesus is telling us the only source of this bread that nourishes us is God. 
In other words, it's not a bread that you and I can fabricate. It's not a bread that you and I can purchase. It's a bread that only God can give. And therefore, there's nothing we can do to earn the bread. There's nothing we can do to make the bread. God is the provider of the bread. We need to hear this in our heart every day. We need to begin every day when we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. The next phrase is, give us this day our daily bread. God, nourish my spirit today, nourish my soul today to walk in strength in everything that I encounter in order that I might glorify you and that I might overcome the sin of this world. Because I'm, I'm telling you something that I, I don't need to tell you. Without the spirit of the living God dwelling within us, we will get beat up and knocked down and we will, we will lose every day. When we are confronted, I am convinced that when people are confronted with the temptations of their life, and we all have our own thing that we struggle with more than anything else. But when we're confronted with that, I am convinced that if we begin every day putting on our armor and asking God to let his kingdom come in our life, let his will be done, and to nourish us this day with the daily bread, with the bread of Jesus, that we will have everything we need to overcome whatever temptation is put before us. I am convinced that the reason most people don't overcome temptation is because they're malnourished spiritually. They haven't asked God for the bread of the day. They haven't meditated upon his word for that day. They haven't built up and increased their spirit to encounter that which gives them their greatest struggle. They aren't able to say, God, your grace is sufficient for me, and in my weakness you are made strong. You know, there's this saying that um, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not in the Bible, by the way. That's not a verse. No, what he says is, in your weakness, I am made strong. He says, you know, let me carry your burden. Carry my burden. It's, it's light. He never says, listen, you can handle this. I'm, I'm going to pour a bunch of stuff on you, but come on, suck it up. You can carry it. You can do it. That's not what the word says. So anybody who says, look it. If you try to comfort somebody and say, just know this, God isn't going to give you any more than you can handle. That's need to say, this is terms. Um, we really need to say, this is the time when you need to recognize when God is going to make himself appear strongest in your life. When you're at your weakest point, when you're at that moment when you think you can't handle another thing, that's when he says, look it. In that weakness, that's when I'm my strongest. Cast your cares upon me, I care for you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. We need to learn to nourish ourselves daily with his presence, with the sustenance of the word of God, in order to be able to stand when temptation comes. And so we live in a culture based upon rugged individualism. In other words, we, we, we love to boast in being self-made men and women. You know, it's, and, and that's, that's a noble thought, you know, to say that, you know, everything I've had, I've earned by the sweat of my brow and with my hands. But the reality is this, you only have what God allows you to have. You know, I've earned every dime I've ever had. Nobody's given me anything. That's not true. God's given you everything. Every dime you've earned is because of his grace in your life. When I was uh, in my freshman year in college, we were required to take English literature. To this day, I still don't know why. 
Um, and um, our professor, uh, Professor Sautel, Dr. Sautel, loved Shakespeare. And we used to have to, in our class, we'd have to act out different Shakespearean plays. Like we do Othello, he'd say, okay, you know, today, Rick, you're Othello, and you are this person, and you're that person. We had to be act, act, act it out. And one of the, the, then there was a time we went through great poems, and one of the poems that, that jumped out and grabbed me, in fact, um, my assignment was to write a report on it. It was a poem called Invictus. Invictus is a short poem, um, but, but I want to read it to you. It says, <clears throat> out of the night that covers me, black is the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winched nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace for the years finds and shall find me unafraid. And then the last line is a very famous phrase. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And as I researched this poem and as I researched the author, William Ernest Henley wound up a solitary, pitiful person that killed himself. So to write such a braggadocious poem about how control he is of his life, to finish with, I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul, you know, that whatever gods they may be, there may be. When it was all said and done, he was lonely, he was broken, he had no purpose to live any longer, and he took his life. Unless God gives and sustains our whole being, we are lost. There is nothing there is no such thing as a self-made man. There is no such thing as a self-made woman. Adam did not make himself. Adam was a handful of dust that God breathed life into, and he became a human. He became man. We are who we are because of the dust that God made and because of the breath of God that lives in every one of us. And he gives our breath, and he takes away our breath. So if we're to... Ask for our daily bread. Where do we seek our daily bread? How, how do we receive our daily bread? Acts chapter 2 says this. Now, when they heard this, this is Peter talking about Jesus, whom they had crucified. He says, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is a process that God puts in motion for those whom he calls. He calls every one of us, but for every one of us, there is a process of salvation. When I say a process, Jesus did the work, but we have to accept it. Each one of us goes through a process in our walk, in our life, that brings us suddenly to a realization that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Some of us were blessed enough to get the revelation when we were a child. Others didn't get the revelation until they're in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s. Others get the revelation on their deathbed. 
But for every one, there's a process that God goes through to make himself known to us. And he never changes. So that tells us it's us having to break through the stuff to receive and acknowledge him who is always the same. And so if this bread is a daily bread, and if it's so important that we have to ask for it, then the question is, and if God is the only source, why ask only for a day's supply? In other words, why not just go to God like he's a big box store and get big quantities that will last us for a while? But you see, God has always been about daily since the beginning. The children of Israel in the wilderness, we know the story. They've escaped Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And now they're in the wilderness. And because of their unbelief, because of their sin of building the golden calf, they, they are told they have to wander in a wilderness to an entire generation dies out for a new generation to be raised up. So while they wander in the wilderness, they are nomads. So they never are in one place long enough to plant food, to grow anything. The, the sheep that they have with them, most of them are for sacrifice, and there might be something for them to graze on, but there's not enough livestock to feed a million people every day. And so this is what God says to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Now, think about that. The managers didn't show up on the ground. They just didn't get up in the morning. and all. So every day, I don't know what time, I was 4 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, I don't know, but every day at some time in the morning, God would open the heavens and this bread, this manna, would float down to the earth. And he says this, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And why? And this is the key. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. You see, we have to come to God every day because God has instructions for us for that day. God has a meaning and a purpose for us for that day. Even if you're routine, if you get up every morning and you make your coffee and you have your devotions, you shower, you get dressed, you get in your car, you drive to work, you clock in, you clock out, you come home. Even though the routine may be the same every day, the circumstances are never the same. The people around you will have things happen in their life that is never the same. There will be those that will suddenly have the loss of a loved one. There will be those who today is the last day of their job. They're going to be, there's going to be th things happening around us differently every day. God is telling us to ask every day for daily bread because he's going to give us the bread we need for that day. And the bread he gave you yesterday is probably not the right bread for today. That's why the children of Israel, those who didn't trust him, they tried to hoard it and put it in their tents, and when they woke up the next morning, that which they saved from the day before was molded and rotten and unedible. They had to throw it out. There, we, we can't rely upon yesterday's strength for today's victory. 
I've told this story before, but it's, it's the most profound story in my life. Um, when our daughters were, how old were they? They were probably 10 and 7. We had them in gymnastics. And so it was great for us. We'd take them on Saturday morning, drop them off. They had gymnastics during the week, but Saturday is a big day. We'd drop them off, and we could go grocery shopping. You don't have to worry about kids saying, Daddy, can I have? Daddy, can I have? And so one day we went shopping. We came home to unload our car, and our neighbor's out front and said, um, you need to go to the, to, to, the, um, to the gym where the girls are practicing right away. Um, one of your daughters has been injured very badly. And so um, we didn't know what to expect. There, there are no cell phones. There are no pagers. It was that, you know, it was when there were horses and buggies. It was in that, that era. And so we jumped in. We lived in Azusa. The, the studio is all the way down off the of Grand, south of Cerritos in uh, Cyprus, uh, in Covina. We got there, and nobody is there. The lady came out and said, um, your daughter has been rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. We said, which daughter? They said, your youngest one, Lenan. So we get to the hospital, and uh, when, they, when they teach them the uh, uneven bars, they dismount into a pit that's full of foam rubber. Lenan had dismounted, but she swung too far, and she hit the edge of the pit and put her body against her arm and snapped both the bones in her forearm. So that was the problem. So we get in the emergency room, and Lenan's arm is, is like this. And if you know anything about me, I was grossed out immediately. Um, and all she wanted was daddy. She didn't want mom. She wanted daddy. And so I'm there holding their hand and trying everything I can to not look at her arm. And the doctor comes in and says, OK, we're going to have to set the arm. So I want to give you some shots to numb it. And Lynn says, no, I don't want any shot. I don't want any numbing shot. We're talking about a seven-year-old. And he says, it's going to hurt because I have to. So they bring out, you all know what Chinese handcuffs are? That's OK. I don't want any shots. So they bring out, you all know what Chinese handcuffs are? So Chinese, you put your fingers in. So they put these two fingers in Chinese handcuffs and hang on the hooks. So her arm hangs like this. And they put a 10-pound bag of sand over her arm. And he says, OK. So I, I put a, a washcloth in Nan's mouth. I said, Scream, do whatever you want to do. And he says, okay, I'm going to. And he just went, click. It set back in. She didn't scream. Nothing happened. I thought, dude, that was a piece of cake. That wasn't that bad. They casted it up. We went home. It was fine. About four years later, she and her best friend were skateboarding on our driveway. Her best friend fell down and broke her arm exactly the same way. But we rushed her to the hospital. And she was the daughter of a single mom. So the mom gets there. And they're going to have to set the daughter's arm. And her mom is just freaking out. And I said, Angie, don't worry about it. I've got it. I've done this before. I'm a pro at this. So I go into the room. And Natalie wants the shot. And they bring out this needle that's got to be like this big. And they just start going in and out of her arm. And the next thing I hear is, get him out of here. And I had turned white, and I had passed out from the needle. And I thought, because I had been so good the time before, that it would be no problem this time. I call it broken arm righteousness. 
And that's why we ask for daily bread. Because even though it was the same break, the circumstances were different. And I thought I could handle the circumstances in my own strength, in my own understanding, in my own might. And I learned real quickly it doesn't work that way. And it's the same thing with asking for our daily bread. The bread that God gives you today when you ask for it is sufficient for the day, sufficient for the moment. When we get up the next morning, when we say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life, I also today need sustenance in order for me to be fully equipped, fully nourished to handle what will come across my path today. So if some is good, wouldn't more be better? Ask the children of Israel. You know, if they tried to keep too much, it wasn't good any longer. So we need to know that, that Jesus wants us to ask one day at a time. And it's because God, it says God's mercies are new every morning. God has something new in store for us every day. He never wants us to rest on our past laurels. He never wants us to rest on something he's done in the past. Um, it, it's great to have a testimony of something God has done miraculously in your life. But if you share the same testimony for 10 years, how many testimonies have you missed because you've settled for one? You'll find that if you ask God for bread every day, spiritual bread to sustain you, to nourish you, to equip you for what you encounter, you will have a testimony every day just as his mercies are new every day. And, and so we need to learn that, you know, the psalm says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God prepares food for us. His daily bread is something we need every day. He provides what we need to overcome the enemies of our soul, these daily distractions. And then here are God's ingredients to bake bread. There are nine names used for God uh, in the Old Testament. But there are also New Testament verses that support those names. And I'm not name, and then every story. I'll read the Old Testament verse where God says, this is my name. And then I'll read you a New Testament verse that shows you how it works in our life today. The first one is Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Uri. If you know the story, it's where... Um, Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And he's just about to, to drive the, the, the knife in. God stops him, and there's a lamb over in the bush. And so Genesis 22:14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Philippians 4:19 says, And my God shall supply all your need, according to his glory in Christ Jesus. Just as God provided that lamb for Abraham at the exact moment he needed it, God didn't, when he got to the bottom of the mountain, God didn't say, okay, I just wanted to see if you'd come to the mountain. Here you go, here's, here's the sheep, take it up with you and, and you can do it. No, he, God had to let Abraham walk through the process of Isaac saying, dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And this always just blows my mind is that Isaac lets his dad lay him on the altar. I mean, I have a feeling if I had a, when my son was 14 or 15, 
I said, Ricky, climb up there. You're the sacrifice today. My son would not lay down. My son would run. If my dad wanted to do it to me, I would have run. And so we have this. And so that God will always provide, but we need, here's the hardest lesson in life to learn. God always provides at the moment of need. God never seemed, it's like the children of Israel, they had to get up every day to get the manna. They weren't allowed to keep it stored up so they didn't have to think about getting up the next day and seeing if the manna was going to be outside. The next time, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Exodus 15, 26, and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. James 5.14, if any among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. The same Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals in the Old Testament, is the same Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals in the New Testament. Daily, daily bread. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Exodus 31, 13. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between you and me and throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord. I'm sorry, I skipped. Let's go back up, Lord, my banner. And Moses built an altar and called the place the Lord is my banner. Revelation 12, 11, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love their lives to death. So the Lord is our banner. And the banner was the sign they carried before them when they went into battle. Then Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. You know, if you keep my Sabbaths, which that is a sermon in and of itself. How many Christians do not keep a Sabbath? Now, we're not talking about going to church. We're talking about a day of rest where it's just you and God and your Bible and no screens, no work. Just you and God. He says, if you keep my Sabbaths, okay, um, for a sign throughout all the generations that, that you will know, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Second Thessalonians 2.13, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because from the beginning chose you, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. So the Lord who sanctifies in the Old Testament is the Lord who gives us sanctification by the Lord. So Gideon built an altar. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Judges 6, 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is Oprah and the Berezocytes. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled neither be afraid. Jehovah Shabbat, Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. 1 Samuel 1.3, the man who went up from his city early to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and the priests of the Lord were there. Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He is the Lord of hosts in every situation in our life. Jehovah Raha, the Lord my shepherd. 
You know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Raha, I shall not want. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Jehovah said, canoe, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah said, canoe. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess sin, we become righteous. He is our righteousness. Finally, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Exodus 48, 35, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor thing presence, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is always there. So the bread of life is the working of God in our life every day that the Lord provides for us every day, that the Lord provides healing for us every day. The Lord is our banner, our protection. He goes before us every day. The Lord sanctifies us every day. The Lord gives us peace every day. The Lord is the Lord of hosts. He's above all and in all every day. The Lord is our shepherd every day. The Lord is our righteousness every day. The Lord is with us every day. Those are the ingredients God has given to us to provide bread for us every day or to make bread. Every day we should be asking for the revelation of the aspects and the attributes of God to be made manifest in our life as our daily bread. Every day we should desire to walk in each one of these attributes. The bread of life provides our spiritual nourishment. If children don't eat, they don't grow up and be strong. And it doesn't have to be spinach. When they don't eat... Well, if a child doesn't want to eat, we pretty much know one of two things. Either we've spoiled them and they only eat what they want, or they're sick. Kids never want to eat when they're sick. This is what Jesus says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. And so for us to get our daily bread, for us to be nourished, nourished daily, these seven words... Give me this day my daily bread can change your life every day. None of us can continue. None of us can walk throughout a day without the bread of life. God is the only source, and God has chosen in his great sovereignty to deal it out one day at a time because he wants to be in your life every day. He doesn't want you to show up on Sunday and feel like you're at Costco and fill your basket up and go home and say, I got enough today to take care of me till next Sunday. He wants you to see his provision in your life every day to be like manna. He's going to give you exactly what you need for today and he's going to test you to see if you're willing to Come to him tomorrow for a new batch of bread.
He is our only source. He measures it out one day at a time. It's ours to use or misuse, however we decide to do it. We can try to keep and hoard it in kind of some miserly, narrow existence, or we can let it flow into us, through us, to in touch and enrich our lives every day. It is a gift that's intended for us to unwrap and discover with joy and wonder each and every morning. There are those who say, and I don't know if I agree with this, but I'm not a nutritionist. But there are those who say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Um, to me, coffee and banana is all I need. But when lunch comes around, I'm ready to feast. But here's the reality is that we need to come to him every day to be nourished, every day for sustenance. You know, it's a gift that, that every morning we're intended to get up and wrap. And I say morning is this. There's nothing, if, if you don't eat in the morning, you know by noontime all you think about is food. I don't see how people can rise and say, today, Lord, I want you, I want your kingdom to come and not nourish ourselves before we start out to face the day. If, if we will pick up the daily bread, remember the children of Israel had to gather the manna in the morning. It was only there in the morning, and they had to gather enough to last them for the day. The Lord didn't say it's going to sit on the ground, they can just go out and gather it every day. He says, gather it in the morning, but only gather enough for the day. <clears throat> Don't try and hoard more tomorrow because it's going to rot. So if we begin our day by asking him for our daily bread, he will give us what we need to sustain us. The other side of that, however, this Paul says to pray without ceasing, to be in constant communication with the Lord because the Lord likes us to snack on him as well, to not just have a meal but to continually feed upon um, to brings across our path that day. So... Um, to put it in the sharpest terms possible, Jesus is saying that you need to turn to the Father regularly asking these three things. That we be given the insight and faith to recognize that without God we have no life at all. To begin a day without Jesus is stupid. I think I said that pretty plain. There you go. Anybody who can quote that, Jan will buy you lunch. <laughs> Number two, that we have the honesty and humility to acknowledge that God has a legitimate claim on every one of us, expecting that we will seek to use God's gifts for God's purposes. So everything we have, God has entrusted to us as a gift to be used for his honor and glory. We need to make sure that gift is honed, that that gift is fully functional. It's like an engine. If you don't change the oil in your engine, eventually you're going to have a problem. Ask my oldest daughter. First car we bought her, a Volkswagen Bug. As a good dad, I walked her through how to check her oil, how to put gas in the car, because I couldn't do it every day. And so I said, just make sure you open it up, you check the oil. If it's down low, tell me, and I'll put oil in. Her girlfriend said, Becca, they have this little light that comes on. 
So don't have to worry about checking the oil. Just wait till the light comes on. If the light comes on, you put more oil in. The light came on, her engine seized, and we had to pay 1200 bucks to put a new engine in her car. So you can't, you have to check the oil every day. So we need to every day understand that we, we need to nourish ourselves every day, check God's purposes every day, or we will eventually run out of oil. Finally, that we will begin right now today, each one of us, to live each moment fully and victoriously in ways that are worthy of our being entrusted. Let me say that again. Worthy of our being entrusted with such a precious gift. And that is the truth of it. God entrusts us, each one of us, uniquely, individually, because we're going to encounter things and people nobody else does. We are unique. Our circumstances are unique. And God says, every single day, I have bread for you that will nourish you and give you what you need for the circumstances you will encounter. And yes, I know in advance what you're going to encounter, so I know what you need to eat today. It's not about carbs. It's not about protein. It's about the bread of life, which is pure carb and pure protein for your soul. And so you need to make it a practice. We need to make it a practice every day not just out of some sort of rote response because Jesus says pray it, but he's saying, look it, if you want to make it in the kingdom, you need to make sure you are spiritually nourished every single day. You need to set aside time every day to feed upon me because I am the bread of life. And the recommendation is to do it in the morning, you know, have you all eaten a heavy meal and then gone to bed? You don't feel too good. doesn't do much for you. But if you eat the Word of God in the morning, it will sustain you throughout the day. So, look at that. Four pages and I'm six minutes early. I know. That's because I just gave you bread. There's no steak and potatoes today, just bread. Um, so, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, we thank you for the simplicity of the power of walking kingdom life, that it sustain us with the promise every day to eat it, to sustain us with the promise, the absolute promise that tomorrow morning there will be more bread. Tomorrow morning there will be a meal sufficient for us to carry us through the day, to give us the strength and the resource we need to be fully equipped to be sons and daughters of the Most High, living kingdom life here on earth to the glory of your name. So Holy Spirit, remind us every day when we're drinking our coffee or eating our cereal or our eggs, remind us at that moment that we need to come before you to get our daily bread, to be nourished, to live and to walk out the day for whomever and whatever comes across our path. And we agree and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, go eat some human food now.
And I do have just one, well, two things. Number one, would you pray for my grandson, Tanner? Um, he's in the hospital right now. He's at Stanford. Uh, he's, for the yesterday and today, he's fasting, but he's having to drink this stuff because they're going to do an endoscope as well as a um, um, uh, colonoscopy. Two cameras to see where they meet to see if they can find the blockage in his intestine. So I just got a, he's been face, he's in FaceTiming everybody who'll FaceTime me today. I had to decline him. He wanted to FaceTime while I was here. But um, he says, I hate the stuff they're making me drink. And he has to drink it. Has to clean him out completely. And it's going to give this, this what's called this contrast for when they take pictures and they're able to go in. So just, if you think of Tanner, pray for him. The second thing is we have a group that meets here on Friday nights. Um, it's called The Tent. Um, and so they are going to begin having services here on Sundays, probably in two weeks. And it'll be at 1 o'clock that they're going to meet here. So as much as we love to fellowship, we just have to do all our hugs and kisses before 1 o'clock to make sure we're out so they can come in. And um, it's been a great partnership and uh, they really want to come alongside us and learn how to pray and love the city and pray for the city. Um, Anna, the wife, is actually renting the room right here. There used to be the storage room. She's moving her business into that room. She's had her business in Glendora, but she's moving it to Azusa because they feel like God has said they, they need to occupy the territory he's called them to. And so uh, things are going to start to look different. That's good. All right? Go in peace. Go eat. Go eat some meat. It's not. It's Ken's fault.
Jennifer, we'll be coming back from Paso Robles that weekend. We'll be coming back from uh, his parents on that Monday, so we're not going to make it. Look at the calendar. <laughs> There's something going on. <laughs> 